brought to you by the Las Cruces Sun News. This is Straight Shooter. What is going on, everybody? This is Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jay the Sports Dude. And if you are listening right now, let me just say thank you for tuning in to Straight Shooter, the podcast where I shoot from the hip and give you everything that you need to know about the New Mexico State men's basketball team. This is episode 15 of our season-long journey. So if you're a returning listener, then welcome back. I missed you. And if you're new to the program, well, then welcome to the family. Where have you been all my life? Guys, we have a lot to talk about today. So sit back and relax because I got... You, I'm coming to you from a place that I like to call the saloon. So, bartender, what do we have on tap for today? On tap today is a recap of the Aggies game against Tarleton State and UTRGV, Week 9 WAG predictions, and a preview of the Dixie State series. Alrighty, thank you, bartender. I have my lasso in hand, and it's time for our post-game roundup, the segment where I round up my thoughts on the most recent New Mexico State games. And in this case, the Aggies split their road series against Tarleton State this past Friday and Saturday, winning game one by a score of 78-51, and then losing game two by a score of 64-55. New Mexico State then faced UTRGV on Tuesday and earned a 69-51 victory, which puts the team at 8-7 on the season, 5-6 in whack play. And I have my takeaways from the three contests. Let's go ahead and get started with takeaway number one, which is that the Aggies need to have a presence in the paint. New Mexico State dominated down low in its 78-51 win over Tarleton State on Friday, recording 30 points in the paint. It definitely helped that the team also went 13 for 22 from deep in that one, which is 59.1%. But we saw on Saturday that they can't rely on that long-range shooting. The Aggies went 9 for 33 from distance, which is 27.3%. And instead of working it down low, they just kept shooting three-pointers. New Mexico State only recorded 14 points in the paint against a Tarleton State team that doesn't have the most size, and that just can't happen. I get it, the Aggies like to shoot their threes. It's a big part of the system, I know that. But when you're only shooting 31% in that department this season, which is the lowest percentage of any Aggie team since the 1995-96 squad, by the way, finding that balance with your post presence is crucial. If New Mexico State makes the three-point shots, then that's a huge plus. The team definitely becomes more dangerous, but it needs something else to fall on when those shots aren't dropping. And now we have takeaway number two, which is that Jabari Rice has to play at that preseason WAC player of the year level if New Mexico State wants to make a postseason run. The Retro Jr. struggled against Tarleton State this past weekend, averaging 5.5 points and three turnovers per game on 4 for 17 shooting from the floor which is 23.5%. He just couldn't seem to get it going in either contest, but that changed on Tuesday against UTRGV. Rice recorded 16 points, 8 rebounds, 2 blocks, and 2 steals while shooting 46.2% from the floor. He was a stat sheet stuffer, and he just played at a level of intensity that was unmatched all game long. It's no secret that the Aggies are far from a clear favorite to win the WAC tournament this season, but the pieces are there at the end of the day, and the biggest one has to be Jabari Rice, so we'll see if he can lead his team back to the top of the conference hierarchy. Now it's time for my big takeaway of the day, and it's that this New Mexico State team has some fight to it. I'll admit it, folks, I did not think the Aggies would be able to beat UTRGV on Tuesday. The team was coming off of what was, in my opinion, its most disappointing outing of the season in that loss to Tarleton State, and it was missing a number of players as well, which I'll get into in a second here, but New Mexico State played with a fire that we just haven't seen out of them on a consistent basis this season. The Aggies recorded 19 offensive rebounds to UTRGV's 10, they forced 16 turnovers, and they held the Vaqueros to 18 for 41 shooting from the floor, which is 36.7%. 
It was easily one of New Mexico State's best outings of the year, and that's what it's going to take this weekend when the team faces Dixie State because there's a good chance it'll be shorthanded once again. Donnie Tillman missed the UTRGV game due to a non-COVID-related health issue. Gerald Dokes has been out since the Utah Valley Series for that same reason, and Wilford Lakai hasn't played since that series against the Wolverines due to concussion protocol. All three players are game-time decisions for this weekend, and if some or all of them are unable to suit up, New Mexico State needs to bring that same intensity that it had in that game against the Vaqueros if it wants to win. Alrighty folks, so that buzzer means it's time for segment number two, which are my week nine whack predictions. Last week I went four and three in my picks. I had a split for the UTRGV and Utah Valley series, which ended up being a Wolverine sweep. I then had a split for the Grand Canyon and Seattle series, which is what happened. And finally, I had New Mexico State sweeping Tarleton State and losing to UTRGV. The Aggies ended up splitting with the Texans and beating the Vaqueros. So that puts me at 29-9 and on the season. Not too shabby. And now it's time to take a look at this week's matchups, of which there are four of them. We're going to get started with Tarleton State at UTRGV. The Texans are 8-10 on the season, 3-7 in whack play, and they're fresh off a split against New Mexico State. One guy who really stood out for the Texans was Shamir Bogues, a 6'4 freshman guard who averaged 10.5 points and 2.5 rebounds per game against the Aggies on 56.3% shooting from the floor. Bogues really doesn't play with any fear despite being a true freshman, and considering he's averaging 7.5 points and 2.1 steals per game, I think he's going to be in contention for WAC Freshman Player of the Year with a guy like Seattle's Kobe Williamson. The top dog on Tarleton State is still undoubtedly Montre Gibson, but it looks like the junior guard has found his backcourt partner of the future. Then there's UTRGV. The Vaqueros are also fresh off a game against New Mexico State, although they suffered a 69-51 loss in that one. Jeff O'Cherry had a solid outing. The 6'11 grad transfer from Stony Brook recorded a season-high 11 points to go along with 5 rebounds and 3 blocks. Now those 3 rejections are the norm for him. Despite only averaging 15.4 minutes per contest, he's leading the WAC in blocks per game at 2.5. Javon Levi also had an uncharacteristic game. He's normally one of the better passers in the country, but he recorded 0 assists against the Aggies to go along with eight points. We'll see if he can get going this weekend because UTRGV needs him to run this offense. The deciding factor in this series is going to be which offense breaks first. Both of these teams are defensive-minded, and they love the forced turnovers that lead the points on the other end. UTRGV ranks fourth in the country in opponent turnover percentage at 24.8%, and Tarleton State is not far behind. The Texans rank 17th in that department at 22.9%. We'll see which team can take better care of the basketball. I think it'll be a good series, so I'm going with the split. Now let's move on to our next series, which is Seattle at Cal Baptist. The Redhawks are 10-9 on the season, 3-4 in whack play, and they split their most recent series against Grand Canyon, winning Game 1 by a score of 63-57, and then losing Game 2 by a score of 81-71. I said that Kobe Williamson would be the X-Factor for Seattle in last week's episode, and that turned out to be the case. The freshman recorded a career-high 14 points in Friday's win over the Lopes, and that sort of production is big because Darion Trammell and Riley Grigsby normally provide a big bulk of the Red Hawks is scoring. So you'll take whatever you can get from that supporting cast. We saw what happens when the role players don't help out much in game two against Grand Canyon. Trammell and Grigsby combined for 53 points, but no other player reached double digits, and Seattle suffered an 81 to 71 loss. Then there's Cal Baptist. The Lancers are 12 and 8 on the season, 5 and 5 in whack play, and they earned a 78 to 65 win over Vanguard, which is an NAIA team on Saturday. Ty Rowell and Reed Nottage led the way in that one, really to nobody's surprise. 
Each player racked up 22 points, and they continue to be one of the most potent duos in the WAC. They're averaging 31 combined points per contest, which is second only to the duo, coincidentally, of Trammell and Grigsby at 38 points per game. That leads us perfectly into the deciding factor for this series, and it's which team supporting cast can provide the most production. Aaron Nettles is capable of lighting it up for Seattle when he gets hot from deep. Gorjak Gat can really change the game for Cal Baptist when he's going to work down low. These two teams lean on their stars as much as anyone in the conference, so we'll see if either one of them can get some help. And now let's move on to our series of the week, which is Utah Valley at Grand Canyon. This series will decide who wins the regular season WAC title, so it's definitely the matchup everybody has been waiting for. The Wolverines are 10-9 on the season, 8-3 in WAC play, and they're fresh off a sweep of UTRGV. Bardaz Amac bounced back after struggling against New Mexico State in the prior series. The 6'11 redshirt sophomore averaged 19 points and 14.5 rebounds per game against the Vaqueros. He did shoot 40.6% from the floor, which isn't quite up to his standards, but Utah Valley will definitely take that production. Then there's Grand Canyon. The Lopes are 14-5 on the season, 8-2 in whack play, and they're coming off a split against Seattle. Javon Blackshire Jr. really bounced back in Saturday's win after struggling in Friday's loss. The sophomore guard recorded 5 points and 5 turnovers while shooting 2 for 14 from the floor in Game 1, which is 14.3%, but he racked up team highs of 17 points, 7 assists, and 3 steals in Game 2. As much as the frontcourt duo of Abjorn Midgard and Alessandro Lever lead the way in terms of scoring, Blackshirt is still the guy who keeps the engine running since he's one of the best facilitating guards in the WAC, so the Lopes definitely need him to be on his A-game this weekend. The deciding factor in this series is undoubtedly going to be that battle down low between Grand Canyon's Abjordan Midgard and Utah Valley's Fardaz AMAC. These are the two best big men in the conference and I believe the front runners for the WAC Player of the Year award. It's the matchup of the season and the series of the season, which I believe will end in a split. So that is going to do it for our look around this week's WAC matchups. We still have one more on the docket, though, which is New Mexico State's road series against Dixie State. I'm about to preview that in segment number three. And full transparency, folks, this segment was recorded directly off of my laptop as opposed to using my regular recording setup. You'll see the reason for that in a second here, but that's why it does sound a little bit different. I apologize for that. Either way, let's go ahead and get into it with this preview. Alrighty guys, so that buzzer means it's time for our third and final segment of the day, which is a preview of New Mexico State's two-game road series against Dixie State on Friday and Saturday in St. George, Utah. Tip-off time for both contests is 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and here to help me preview the matchup is Chris Kwasinski, a sports reporter for The Spectrum, who covers an array of teams, including the Dixie State men's basketball squad. Chris, thanks so much for finding time to join me. How are you doing today? I know it's been a busy one for you, right? Yeah, it's been kind of busy, but you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of the work that we enjoy. And it's, if you're busy, that means you're doing work. It means you're having fun. So uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Happy to have you on. I figure who knows more about this team than you definitely more than me. So I really appreciate you helping to kind of steer me in the right direction for this preview here. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is a fun team to watch. Uh, Dixie state is, is going to be a fun whack team once they start getting some that D one talent under their, under their wings, but um, either way, it's a fun team to look at, especially now from a, from a little bit of a distance. Yeah, definitely. And even in their first year, a couple of impressive wins, 8-11 and 11 on the season, 4-8 and eight in whack play, and fresh off a split against Tarleton State. One of the guys who really jumps out on the stat sheet when I look at it is Cameron Gooden, a 5'11 junior who's averaging team highs of 12.9 points and 3.2 assists per game. What is it about this guy that makes him so impactful for Dixie State? I think he's just a... He's just a natural D1 point guard. You know, he's a guy that took the JUCO route 
and that's that's been Dixie State's calling guard calling card for a while in the D2 process but they haven't been able to pull an athlete like like Cam like he's so good off the dribble you see how quick he is uh he can also shoot from three two he's got he's got that full array uh of talents that you want in a division one point guard and I think it's important to note that he's one of those first like actual D1 players to be a part of this roster. Like if you look at it now, obviously there's going to be time to transition. Um, and that's, that's just to be expected. But with, with Cam, that's a first good start because you need a point guard. You need a guy who knows how to run a team, run an offense. Mm-hmm. He can do that. And I, I think it's important to note, especially now, since all you need to do, if you're coach John Judkins, you can start recruiting, you know, the, the big man, you can start recruiting a three-point shooter. You can recruit the other parts of the team. Right. That you don't necessarily have but he he's one of those guys that is going to be a fixture at dixie state yeah definitely and one of the things that also makes him a constant threat is the fact that he can get to the free throw line really at will um something that's pretty surprising that he ranks fifth in the whack in free throw rate so we'll see if he can get to the charity stripe this weekend and uh really kind of his right hand man part of that dynamic duo is hunter schofield a six foot eight senior who's averaging 12.5 points and a team high 5.8 rebounds per game while shooting 48.7 percent from the floor he was a guy that was a preseason all-wax second-team selection. And he's been big for the Trailblazers this year, right? Yeah, he's been one of those guys that, that, took, a, that took a second to kind of acclimate to the, to the D1 level, if that makes sense. He uh, started the season, I don't want to say a little bit out of shape, but he looked a little bit of slow, a little slower than he did last year. Uh, it might have been because of you know, some of the COVID stuff that was going on, some of the things that restricted workouts, restricted the team kind of getting together. And I know he did suffer some injuries too, and that he might have gotten injured, which kind of hampered a little bit of how he prepared for the season. But uh, if you ask him, he, he's gotten this, he's gotten to where he is now, and he's really worked for it. It's a guy that you have to give him credit. He found his, he found a way to work his talents into the D1 level. I think that's important to note, especially as that's a guy that Judkins loves. He, he loves getting the ball to him. He loves that he's a guy he can depend on in the post to get rebounds because Judkins wants to win the rebounding battle every game. A guy like and a guy like Hunter, who's athletic too, that's a good place to start, especially uh, when you're looking against uh, some of the other games that he's played against Tarleton State too. He matched up with those guys pretty well. He's strong mm-hmm. and had a little bit more strength than some of those post guys. Uh, he's a little more athletic too. So when it came against some like Utah Valley, you saw how he dropped over 30 points in that contest too. So I mean, he's a guy that he's finally getting back into his rhythm or it started to finally get back to his rhythm at the start of February. And you, it's, you see how it's paid off in dividends. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned that start to the season. He was a little bit in and out of the starting lineup. But as you said, February especially is when he's really started to pick it up. In that month, he averaged 15.2 points per contest, while shooting 48.5% from the floor. So really good basketball out of him. That's kind of the big duo there. But who are some other guys that maybe you need to keep an eye out for when you're watching Dixie State? I'd say Isaiah Pope is a guy. Because when, when I mentioned... Uh, Cam Gooden is a dude who is a D1 player now. I think Isaiah Pope is there too. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that can, he's got a great stroke for three. He's tied the school record for threes in a game in the second game against Tarleton State with six. And uh, when he's on, he's he's on. And offensively, he's, he's an athlete. He's tall. He's also kind of, he's got a little bit of range to him. And it really helps him out, especially on the defensive end too. He's a guy that Judkins really wants to see take the next step next year. I could see him being a guy playing, you know, tag teaming with Cam as Cam is the point guard kind of drives the ball up the court, but he's a guy that can set up the offense that can really run through him point wise. Um, and other than that, Andre Mulabea is a guy that uh, Judkins has really helped or really just, I guess really just 
trusted. He's a freshman and you don't really see that, especially out of a Judkins team. He's a guy that has really taken talent and taken the time to develop talent uh, across the years that they've played. And he's really putting some trust in young guys now. And I think that's interesting to note, especially as you get into the latter portion of the year, as you start to see guys really starting to come back from injuries, starting to come back and all that stuff. And I guess it's just a part of the adaptation that even Judkins has to do with, with being a D1 coach now. And it's interesting, you know, you see how the team is kind of going, uh, taking tests, you know, taking hits, the, the, the way that they've gotten blown out in games and then have turned around and uh, blown out other teams or have gotten wins to split a series. It's kind of frustrating because they don't really know why that's the case. And, but that's also just the frustrations of being a, a first-year D1 team. And mm-hmm. players like Molabea ease those pains. Same with Pope and that kind of stuff. And it really sets them up for next year as they kind of have these younger players that can take the next step. And uh, I think it's interesting, especially, like I said, with Judkins being more of a senior guy. Uh, he's figuring out that young players can ball too. And it's, it's, part, it's part of the learning process. Yeah, definitely. Definitely good to have that balance kind of between that that senior leadership, that veteran leadership, and also some guys that can maybe learn from them and then carry the torch eventually. Um, and now I look at New Mexico State, eight and seven on the season, five and six in whack play, fresh off a win over UTRGB on Tuesday, 69-51. One of those guys who really stepped up was Jabari Rice. He actually struggled against Tarleton State, averaged 5.5 points and three turnovers per game in that series. But he bounced back against the Vaqueros, 16 points eight rebounds, two blocks, two steals. He did still have those four turnovers and something to monitor, but a great sign for the Aggies. Chris, how do you see Dixie State faring against Rice? Because I know they are last in the whack in points allowed per game at 76.8, so not a stifling defense, but is there a guy who you think will be able to hang with them or is it going to be more so by committee? Just what are you expecting out of that matchup? It's interesting. I, I think the first game is always like a feel-out game for Judkins. He, and I think I don't know if that's played into – a part of how they've, you know, they've lost the first game and then rally to take the second and that kind of stuff. But um, I, I think there's, there's part of it, part of the approach to a, a player like that is difficult, especially since those, these are some of the best players that Judkins has ever coached against at the D1 level. And I mean, Rice is a, he's a dude. That's a, that's a genuine scorer right there. I mean, it, he, he's a guy that can do everything that, that you need to win and uh, Judkins is trying to scheme against that, and I'm sure he's got a good game plan right up there right now. But uh, I would say it's probably by committee. You know, I know Judkins can do a myriad of things at defense. You you might see him slip into a little bit of a zone sometimes. Might go man to man. Might try different things. Um, it, it all just depends on how I guess how he's feeling. You know, he's trying new things now, especially with some of the athletes he has. And I wouldn't be surprised if it is by committee. I wouldn't be surprised if they decide you know go to zone and make him earn it by by far of just by shooting the ball or go man and see if you can have a guy that can go straight up with him. So um, I think they could do a myriad of things against a guy like that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the benefits of a two game series with these being back-to-back days, this kind of format sort of leans itself to just who is the team that's better at adjusting and being able to, to correct some mistakes from game one. Cause that really is going to be a feel out game that first one. Right. Oh yeah. It usually always is. And you can see some of the stuff that they do. Uh, Dixie State does at, at least and um, how they can just course correct and do it the second game. And uh, one of the big things is, is rebounding. I've, I've seen some uh, some games this year where Dixie State just gets they just lose the rebounding battle. And that's not something that obviously Judkins like to see. No one coach, no coach likes to see that, but it, it pays direct or plays directly into the success that Dixie State has if they can win the rebounding battle. And I think that's important. 
especially now with Hunter uh, coming back. A big thing to watch is if Jared Green and Jacob Nichols get back. Um, those are two forwards that are two scrappy guys that can get rebounds in creative ways and can really help push that rebounding battle. Um, and in that way, that's just that's just how they play. You know, and if they can get full strength into this game, I think that feeling out game will be more of a challenge for New Mexico State, especially if Dixie State can win that and then can learn really turn to end the season on a good note because they haven't really had that this year where they've swept the team and said, okay, we're looking for, like, this is great. You know, we finally have a bunch of momentum. Uh, if they could do that, I think that sets them up great, not just for a recruiting cycle, but for a summer where they say, hey, we can hang with guys because New Mexico State's been circled on their calendar forever. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. I mean, that's kind of something New Mexico State is, has been facing these past few years is that that target on their back is as big as any team in the conference. So for sure, even if a team isn't necessarily eligible for postseason play, stuff like that, you better believe they're going to want to beat New Mexico State. That's going to be one of those kind of statement games for them. Um, but I guess also looking at a little bit more at the Aggies, they got a big boost off the bench again, game against CTRGB. CJ Roberts, 12 points, six rebounds. He actually has had double digit points in four of his last five outings while shooting 47.1% from deep. So he's really providing some much needed bench scoring while Wolf Lakai has been out with concussion protocol. And that's kind of been something New Mexico State has been dealing with a lot lately is injuries. Lakai isn't one of the only guys whose availability is up in the air this weekend. Donnie Tillman missed the UTRGB game due to a non-COVID-related health issue. And Gerald Dokes has been out since the Utah Valley Series due to that same reason. So plenty of question marks for New Mexico State, but obviously it's still a dangerous team. I know you talked about the rebounding. Would you say that is the biggest thing that Dixie State has to do if it wants to win? Is that kind of the key for this team? I, I think it's – I think part of it's um... – rebounding but also I think another part of it is just playing a cohesive game you know sometimes you might have guys that try to do a little too much offensively you know you might have a guy like uh, Cam Gooden might be try to be that guy who's going to do it all himself or you might get a guy like Hunter if he's on the three-point line if he's open he might take a shot instead of you know trying to maybe work the ball in a little bit more and draw a foul or um, it really just depends on what, what Dixie State team is going to come out there and I, I think at this point of the year I think they know that the better they the better, or I guess, more together they play, the better they play. So I wouldn't be surprised and see uh, a team come out with that resolve, especially, like I said, they can come out and get, and get two wins here. Like that's, that's huge for that program. That's something that they can hang their hat, their hats on going into the off season. And especially since they can't play in a tournament, they're going to be watching the whack playing Vegas in a couple of weeks. So it's, it's one of those things where they'll take, they'll take a plus wherever they can get it. And if, um, if they can win the rebounding battle this weekend, they're going to take that. If they can, you know, shoot over 50% from the floor, they'll definitely take that too. But, mm -hmm. uh, but if Judkins can look at the film and say, Hey, we played good basketball here. I think that's, that's something he's definitely looking forward, especially against a good team like New Mexico state. Yeah, definitely. And on the flip side, I think the really big key for New Mexico state is to keep Dixie state off the free throw line. Something I thought was pretty crazy in the four whack games that the trailblazers have won. They've attempted an average of 23.3 free throw attempts per contest while shooting 82.8% in that department. In addition to not want to give up free points, the Aggies also definitely don't want to get guys into foul trouble because there's a good chance they're going to be shorthanded for this series. We'll see if they can play good, clean defense this weekend. And now I got to put you on the spot here, Chris. What are you predicting for this series? Will it be a sweep or a split? Just what are you thinking for this one? I'm thinking a split just because I don't know if, if Jared Green and Jacob Nichols are going to be back. Uh, I do know a couple guys are coming back, a couple athletic guards, and it might take them a little bit of time to get back and acclimated because they haven't played in a while. But I mean, 
I could see this being one of those splits like the Tarleton State series where Dixie State comes out and uh, just falters a little bit in the first game. You see some of the mistakes that they're making, but it, things that you can just correct pretty easily. And Judkins is a good coach. He knows how to correct that kind of stuff. So he can turn around and correct that like we saw against uh, Tarleton State where they, I can't remember what they scored in the first game against Dixie State. It was something over 75, 80 points. And then the next game they held Tarleton to under 50. So it's one of those things where if you course correct, and we can figure out how to do that quickly, especially with the back-to-back. I think that Dixie State can win the second one. It'll be a tough first matchup, though. It's kind of kind of going in blind, especially after a week off. You know, there might be a little bit of might be a little bit of rust going there, but um, they'll be ready to play. Yeah, definitely. I got to say, I didn't think New Mexico State would beat UTRGV on Tuesday, just because of the injury that the team is dealing with. But the Aggies really proved me wrong with one of their better outings of the season. Had that game not been rescheduled, I think I probably would have gone with a split as well against Dixie State, but it's given me just enough confidence to say the Aggies will get the sweep. But some really good basketball, I think game one, Aggies 73 to 68, and then on Saturday, 79 to 70. Still, it could definitely go either way. The Aggies haven't been known to come out of the gates in their first game of the series. So they might be able to catch the Aggies just on a bit of an off day on that first one. I think that's probably their better chance to win just if you're going based off the history of the Aggies as of late. But definitely, I think a split, would be big for Dixie State just to kind of get them that momentum heading into next season, like you said, right? Yeah, and, and right now, I mean, this team is they, – they know that the future is what's important here. Um, I Just talking to, to not just the coaching staff, but uh, some members of the athletic department, and they, they go back to some of the games this year, like when they played Gonzaga. Like they knew they, – they really knew they weren't going to win that game unless Gonzaga shot like, you know, 040 from the, from the floor yeah. – or uh, if they shot like, uh, you know, oh, 20 from three, or if, or if uh, uh, some of the big stars on that team went down with injuries and that kind of stuff, but, mm-hmm. or even going against uh, Southern Utah, I know a team that they're really forging a rivalry with uh, come the time that SU goes into the whack, like they, they didn't know if they were going to win that game. They said the best, one of the best case scenarios was giving them a scare. And they did that. You know, they, they put them on notice and that kind of stuff. And they say, hey, we're here too. We can play with the D1s just like you can. And, uh, they're thinking of the future in every single way. So that's why any kind of benefit or any kind of just good basketball, uh, really anything in this weekend is going to be huge for this team. So, Yeah, definitely. Definitely some good basketball ahead for Dixie State. But that is going to do it for episode 15 of Straight Shooter. Chris, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Glad we can get you on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, for sure. And there you have it, folks. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, share it with the rest of Aggie Nation, and consider subscribing or following, depending on what platform you're listening to this on. If you guys want to stay up to date with all things Aggie Hoops, make sure to follow me on Twitter at JTheSportsDude and give Chris a follow as well while you're at it. That's at OchoK underscore. Don't forget to also subscribe to the Lost Cruises Sun News. Guys, this has been Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jay the Sports Dude. I'll see you guys next Wednesday. I'm out.